Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Avedisian, the Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Ani, Mad Shaman Avedisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three part spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy, sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic co-creation. And a hearty hello to you all. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for yet another round of cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini. The show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo. In today's, how many trucks can a Trudeau tow if the tow trucks won't tow trucks? Why are so many people from Zimbabwe to Duluth so afraid to hear the truth? Look at the FDA running scared, claiming they were misled by the members of the CDC who should all be hanging from a tree for crimes against humanity. And God bless the Canadian truckers for their bonhomie and their commitment to sovereignty. We have many rivers to cross, but God always wins because God is always boss, currently infantile, and oh so slow to evolve, bizarre little world. As always, my darlings, we try to do this with as much dignity and decorum as can be mustered on any given day. We are not always successful, I'll admit to that, but we are on a bound to give it our best shot. And on this show, the Metaphysical Martini Show, we do love the odd shot now and then. Yes, we do. In fact, let me take a sip of today's carefully crafted cocktail. Where is it? Where's my drink? Oh, my God. Oh, it's here. Don't panic. Don't panic. It's here. Mm. Oh, that is a lovely drop of booze. Well done, Miss Arnie. Good choice. What is this show all about, darlings, when the Holy Spirit meets top shelf distilled spirits? You get metaphysical martini. Human conundrums need cosmic cocktails. If you're joining us for the first time, a very warm welcome to you. Be advised, we are not politically correct, as we do not wish to erode our intellect. Martini heads are level-headed folks who know who runs the world and why. We know that mainstream news is the mouth of Sauron, a propaganda machine for the dark establishment, also known as Deep State, the Cabal, the Illuminati, the Luciferian globalists, and is just in general a bunch of rotten bastards. Martini heads, we come from all walks of life. We have many faith bases. We have differing political ideologies. We are united, not by booze, but we are united by our ability to see beyond the official narrative. And darlings, once that vantage point is achieved, you know, to be able to step away from the matrix and look at it objectively, once that's achieved, there is no going back. 
once a person understands and embraces their true cosmic nature, only the truly feeble-minded will crave the security of slavery within the dark matrix. Now, that level of freedom is not only liberating, but also exhilarating. It allows the entire hierarchy of light to flow through you, to co-create with you, to positively infect the dark matrix with so much pure white light, the coding errors dissolve within their own absurdity. And once that happens, the physical structures that serve them have no option but to collapse under the weight of their dysfunction. And that is the end game. Well, that's the end game for the awakened ones. All dark illusions shattered. Energy poured into only that which matters. Basically, the evolution of the human race, soul sovereignty, divine cosmic alignment, as opposed to what we have now, which is a bunch of confusion, madness, and dark confinement. Now, darlings, if you believe your government has your best interests at heart, if you believe only what your television spews forth, this show is not for you. Don't waste your time. Move along, please. Nothing to see here. If, on the other hand, you lads and lasses identify as libertines, welcome aboard. Grab a bevy, put your feet up, and let's hear what we the people have to say. We always start the show with quack, nothing to do with ducks. Quack is questions, answers, and comments. So if you would like to share the contents of your fabulous minds on this galactically renowned show, send your emails to me, arnie at arnieavidician.com, or if you prefer snail mail, go ahead. Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, America the Beautiful. And hey, don't forget to let us know if and how you wish to be identified, or I shall refer to you as OPD, which means omit personal details. Alrighty, let's shake up the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and let's see what pops out. I really need to change that sentence. There's an awful lot of peas in there with someone like me who has a speech impediment. Okay, our first missive comes from a chap in the UK who wishes to remain a nonny mouse. Here we go. Dear Oni, I think my roommate has gone mad and I'm not being funny. He was laid off from work six months ago. He took it really hard. And since that time, he has lost all motivation. That's interesting you say laid off. Usually in the UK, we say made redundant. Um, but maybe Americanisms are creeping in there, too. Anyway, he continues. He sleeps most of the day. And when he's not sleeping, he is eating himself into an early grave. He doesn't drink or use drugs, but the amount of food he consumes is of concern. I was in the kitchen yesterday and I had to move his food out of the way to get at mine. When he saw me touch his food, he lost it. He yelled at me and accused me of trying to eat his pizza. He has become aggressive and volatile. He worries constantly about not having enough money. 
He worries about how much his dad hates him, which is not true, but he thinks it is. He worries about people shorting him on his pizza toppings. He is not open to any suggestions and takes everything I say personally. I am gutted. He used to be a team player, and now all he does is eat, use the bathroom, sleep, and tell me to stay away from his food. He has put on two and a half stones since he was laid off, and he often forgets to bathe. Oh, dear. I have to remind him, and he does not take kindly to that. He doesn't take kindly to any intervention. I have reached my limit, Arnie. Unless you have a miracle cure, I will have to contact his family for help. He is stuck. He can't look left or right. He is stuck in a tunnel with a never-ending box of pizza. I used to have a good friend, and now I live with an angry, aggressive, mean-spirited wanker. Hmm. Well, gosh, um, chap from the UK who wishes to remain anonymous. Um, I am sorry. This is not good. I definitely advise contacting his family for help. So as I look through this, I mean, it looks like this happened very quickly. He got laid off and he it took it, you know, he took it really hard. So my guess is his brain crashed after he was laid off. And well, as we know, the brain is the main organ in our central nervous system. So if it crashes, information is scrambled because it's not being properly processed. Right. Now, I could tell you more if you would send me a current photo of him. But without that, my first thought is this is an issue with the cingulate system of the brain. And resolving it could be as easy as finding the correct dosage of certain amino acids. I am not allowed to give medical advice and probably a good thing because I'm not a doctor. But too often a case like this is dismissed as depression and drugs are prescribed. And I'm not sure that's the answer. I think this could be a reasonably quick fix if we can get him to an enlightened therapist who understands how the brain works and is interested in having his or her client regain control of brain function and, you know, not just someone who's going to throw drugs at him to override the function or bypass the issue. All of that, yes, but also pizza. Now, pizza is delicious, of course, if it's made properly, but this massive amount of pizza he's eating, it's not helping because I assume he's ordering takeout and not making it himself with non-GMO unbleached flour and organic toppings. GMO wheat, which is what you're going to get with your takeout stuff, it's nasty shit, and it's responsible for millions of cases of depression and inflammation. I say contact his family, let's get this taken care of before the behavior becomes too deeply entrenched. Until then, stay mellow, and don't give him an opportunity to react aggressively. Phone the family, get your team together. Don't try to take away his pizza at this point. He might kill you with it. Um, it'll all resolve. I'm pretty sure this is a, just a simple brain chemical issue, and we can fix that. All right, Chappie from the UK, good luck with that. Let's take another look at what's inside the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity, which is also 
I think the motto of my life. All right. This one is from Beulah. What a lovely name. Who lives in Baton Rouge, uh, which is in Louisiana, who asks. Dear Arnie, my daughter graduates high school this year and to our delight has decided to go to college. She will be the first person in our family to attend a university, and we are very proud of her. Our only concern is her chosen major. She has chosen French literature, a subject she has been obsessed with since early childhood. She loves all things French. When she was a little girl, she would tell stories of her time in the French Revolution. Really? She would tell us how she helped track and arrest aristocrats trying to escape. Oh, my dear. We are an old world family. We understand reincarnation and we're not above magic, so we don't have a problem with it. But how will a degree in French literature provide her with a secure future? We don't want to break her bubble, but my husband and I, we do have concerns. My mother, her grandmother, feels it is a sole contract, that she needs to make peace with any wrongdoing in that French Revolution lifetime. She believes that by studying French literature, this will heal the wounds and restore grace and bring closure to a traumatic lifetime. Do you have any thoughts on this? I do, but I'm a little dry. Let me take a sip of my drinky poo, which I keep misplacing. Hang on. Mm, very nice. Okay, um, Beulah, if this is indeed a lifetime obsession, you can't stand in her way. No. Let it play out. And I suggest that you support her decision. No one can guarantee a secure future, especially in today's rapidly changing world. I mean, the world, it's filled with people grinding away at jobs they hate. So higher education in French literature, that doesn't mean her options are limited to all things French. It doesn't mean she's confined to teaching or to academia, not that that's a bad thing. I say support her in this and through her bachelor's degree, and we'll see where she wants to go from there. The only advice I have for newbie college students in America is this. Pay your way through college, even if you have to deal marijuana. Don't deal marijuana. I shouldn't have said that. But pay your way through college. Do not incur debt because nothing destroys motivation faster than the yoke of never-ending student loans around your neck. It'll ruin your credit. And if your credit is ruined in this particular society, um, your life is pretty much, um, well, it's compromised. Don't buy into the use now, pay later syndrome. It will hold you back. So parents, whatever you can do, Beulah and husband, as parents, help her with this. Whatever you can do to help her get through this debt-free will be worth its weight in gold. And well done to your daughter, first person in your line to go to college. Um, Bon chance with all of that. French literature, wonderful. All right, what else is in the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity? Let's shake it up a bit. 
This is from Jacob. Um, and Jacob says, don't give my location. And I won't, Jacob, because I'm an honorable woman. Jacob says, dear mad Ani, I am in a quandary. The more I meditate, the less I want to be part of the physical world. I cannot seem to take my good vibes back into reality with me, and I can't focus after a meditation. I am often lost and wondering, how do I overcome this? <laughs> Jacob, um, don't take it so seriously, love. First off, let me remind everyone that any type of energy work, prayer and medication, medication, meditation uh, included, that uses up the water and the electrolytes in your system. If you can't maintain that good vibe while you're actually meditating, you know, you can't take it with you after the meditation, you know, the stable vibe after a session, then you need to have a packet of electrolytes and a glass of water before and after your meditation. You know, I use Redmond salts from the Great Salt Lake in Utah. Uh, Utah. Uh, I think they're pretty groovy. Some use Himalayan salts. Some people use those little emergency packets. Some people use those fabulous bio salts. Just find something you like and stick with it. Sometimes it's just, you know, a chemistry or a mechanical issue with the with the energy anatomy in the body. So try that. It would also help you if you learned the form and function of your energy anatomy. The woes of the world won't bother you as much if your equipment, I don't mean your willy, if your equipment, physical and non-physical, are working to manufacture as default specification. So meditation, it's supposed to refresh the soul and, you know, refresh the soul to human connection. Your essence touches the Christ realms in meditation and free from the somewhat limited confines of the human body. It's it's refreshed. And once the meditation is over, that essence that is refreshed enters the human body again and refreshes the human body, reminding every nanocell of its glorious unlimited nature. Thus, the spirit inhabits the human and life is lived through a clear, vital and stable energy anatomy from a higher vantage point. From that vantage point, we have overcome the world. In other words, we are not easily triggered by trivial nonsense. And if we are, we recover quickly and move on. That's what we do. That's why we do meditation. The bliss we experience during meditation, that's your baseline. That's why we do it every day. So the baseline vibe is a familiar feeling, something we can vibe ourselves into because it's a daily practice. We should be able to recreate that vibe when we are not actually actively meditating. It doesn't mean, however, that every moment of each day is going to be experienced through bliss. I mean, that's the end game. That's the goal. But, you know, good luck with that. We are a realm of contrast. Managing our reaction to events around us, that's the key. And we can't do that without alignment, which is why we meditate. Meditation, a word I'm having a lot of difficulty with today, meditation is all about alignment. So don't stop the meditation. Try the salts. Also come up with a focusing protocol when you feel that you're in this sort of lost and wandering phase. 
You know, I have several protocols I use to get, you know, the baseline back in the body vibe. I, I do things along the lines of <clears throat> God above, God below, God to my left, God to my right, God behind me, God before me, God within me, God all around me, God in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, God in the words of everyone who speaks of me. Every cell of my being is one with God and all is in alignment with my highest good. Now, that's something I adapted from St. Patrick's breastplate. You can adapt from an existing prayer or write your own. Uh, it, you know, it's helpful once you've come out of your meditation to say that type of affirmation, something you've adapted or something in your own words when you're back and conscious in your body. So let's remember, we made a conscious choice to have a physical incarnation on Earth. And while we're incarnate, the spirit is supposed to inhabit the human, not separate from it. So when I hear people say to me, this is not quite what you said, but, you know, oh, I meditate and I'm in bliss and I love it, but then I have to come back to Earth. Oh, sucky doodles. You know, the whole point of the meditation is that you raise your vibration, you meet divine alignment, that becomes your baseline, and then you remember your incarnation on Earth was one you chose for a cosmic space adventure and you wanted to have a jolly good time with. So hopefully that helps. But I think more than anything, try the electrolytes and make sure you're probably properly hydrated, because um, if your brain is dry, it will fry. OK. All right. Good luck with that, matey. What else do we have in the fishbowl today? Oh, let's pick this one. All right. This is from Jessica in La Jolla, which is in California. And she asks, dear Ani, how can you tell if an attachment is demonic as opposed to a human ghost? Hmm. Good question. Let's think about it. I've thought about it. Jessica, I suspect you are familiar with humans because the planet is just, you know, crawling with them. But I suspect you're not so familiar with demons. So... Mm. If you feel a sense of familiarity with the attachment, with the entity, and you can define gender, providing it's not gender confused, then it is a human or humanoid. If it's unfamiliar and unnerving, not just unfamiliar, but unnerving, it is something else. Now, we get into a lot of trouble with the word demon because it covers many types of non-human being. And to be honest, demon attachments are rare. Although I have to say, since the establishment's big push to give everyone the mark of the beast and the booster beast, we do see a great many lower level demon beings hanging around. Um, a human attachment will often have an effect on behavior, but it will be recognizable human behavior, such as a craving for certain foods or booze or cigarettes, or an interest in something the attached human hitherto had no interest in. With demon-type attachments, all bets are off as to how it will affect um, behavior. Demons have watched humans. Again, there are many different types of demons, and this is misunderstood. But demons have watched humans grow, evolve, and devolve, and rinse and repeat, but they're not human, so they are uncomfortable in a human body. 
So when you get humans doing strange twitchings and um, all sorts of non-human behavior, that's something you need to check out because that could be a sort of a demonic entity trying to make itself comfortable in the human interface. And I, I have a lot to say about that, but I don't think now is the time. So I'll just recap for you, Jessica. In La Jolla, do you have a familiarity with that feeling? Can you say, is it male? Is it female? Then it's human or humanoid. If it's not familiar and it's unnerving, it's something else. And you should definitely consult a professional for help. Okay. Time for a little drinky poo. <clears throat> I didn't think I was going to like this drink, but I was committed to making it anyway. But let me try it again just to see. As it happens, it's rather yummy, and I'm very happy about that because it's a rather large drink. So let's take some more questions. That's what it's all about here. Here's another one from Omit Personal Details. And the note says, with so many distractions and temptations, how does a person stay awake, aware, and not buy into the illusions designed to distract us? Well, OPD, moral compass and moral fiber. Identify your core moral values and never compromise them. The spiritual life is not about deprivation and suffering, thank God. We created these planets, these physical realms, as cosmic playgrounds. We're supposed to have some fun with them. So, you know, when we talk about temptation and distraction, we're referring to activities that are not wholesome, that do not serve the Holy Spirit inside us, activities that do harm to others. When we're aligned with the divine, the force, if you prefer, we know right from wrong. So focus on alignment and you will easily discern light from dark. If we stay away from the darkness, the structures that support it will be made redundant. And that is how the collective consciousness ascends to higher frequencies. Mm. That's the short version. OK, if you want more information, write to me via private email. Let's take another question now from the fishbowl. And this is from Joey in Klamath Falls. Klamath Falls here in Oregon. And Joey asks, dear Ani, I read somewhere that Earth was dying in the early 1900s and that aliens had to replace her aura with a fake one. Do you know anything about this? I am concerned. How long will the fake one last? Will it have to be replaced and what are the consequences if the aliens decide they don't want to replace it? Oh, my God, Joey, is this keeping you up at night? I suspect it is. Joey, don't panic. It's going to be OK, matey. Now, it's true that Mother Earth, the soul of Mother Earth, cried out in agony to God for help. She wanted to be in good shape for her ascension, but by the time World War I was underway, she was weakened considerably, not necessarily by pollution or industrial waste or anything commented on by that annoying, whiny child, Greta Thunberg, but by man's inhumanity to man. So God, 
the ruler of this universe, answerable only to source creator I am, directed advanced off-world races to repair Earth's aura, to give it a bit of energy work, you know, a bit of, you know, a bit of chakra work, to strengthen it and make it vital once again, because that's what was seeping through and losing. She was losing her vitality. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this was around 1913, and they did a jolly good job of repairing it. And I'm going to tell you, Joey, the repairs came with a decent warranty, so no need for concern. You know, everything in the universe is connected, isn't it? And there is something you should know about, all of you should know about the universal light fortress. This is a grid of electromagnetic waves working and bending with Earth's energies to create safe travel for spacecraft. And there is a much larger network for the galaxy, and this planet's grid is integrated within it. So advanced races, they've orbited our planet and helped our planet out for many years. As the collective consciousness ascends, fingers crossed and lots of prayers said, we become more aware of universal truth and learn to address and eliminate corruption in our world. Once we carry on with that, we will be able to see some of these spacecraft. And I, for one, long for the day when we are stable enough as a collective to see them land and set up their embassies. I hope I live long enough to see that day in person. But if not, I'll watch it from wherever I end up. And I'm sure my joy will not be diminished in any way. Thank you, Joey. Just sleep easy. It's all good. Let's take a couple more questions before moving on to other segments. And this one is from the black sheep of my family, not my family. This person says they are black sheep of my family. And they say, dear Matt Sharman, I am a lovely person. Good for you. I have a job. I am clean and neat. I keep my promises. I never borrow money. And I aspire to model your show's principles of common courtesy, common sense and common decency. Oh, my God, people, my show, my show has principles. I'm delighted to hear this. So Black Sheep continues. I do not drink hard liquor, so no martini. But I enjoy a glass of hard cider or lager from time to time. I discovered your YouTube video channel and watched the video on your poem, Pot. <laughs> it is hilarious. Yes, it is. Um, and this is Joey. Uh, not, this is not Joey. This is Black Cheap. Black Cheap says, I smoke pot at night to help me sleep. And it does help me sleep. But it also makes me very hungry. So I usually eat a sandwich just before going to bed. And that is not good for my digestion. It gives me gas. And also, if I keep this up, I will get fat. Do you have any suggestions? <laughs> Who are you people? How do you come up with this stuff? I mean, were you stoned when you sent this? Um, okay, I mean, fair enough. But I'm trying to figure out which part you want me to give suggestions for. Obviously, you're going to be hungry after smoking pot. Everyone knows that. But you said you smoked it to help you sleep. So don't smoke it until you are on your way to bed. Forgo getting stoned in the evening 
and use it only as a sleep aid. Problem solved. That way, you know, you're in your jammies, right? And you're all ready for bed, blah, blah, blah. And before you go, do your bong or whatever it is that you do. And then go right to bed. Do not think about food. Do not go to the fridge. Smoke your bong. Go to bed. And in no time at all, you'll be asleep. Otherwise, you're just going to have to train yourself not to have the sandwich. But I remember from my pot smoking days, there is no way you are going to be able to um, resist the temptation of eating anything and everything in the house once you're stoned. So grow up, little matey, little black sheep, and uh, be a sensible person. And don't smoke the pot until it's absolutely bedtime. Right. Ani solves another problem, saves another life. Okay. Let's take another one. And this is hopefully not from his pot buddy. Uh, this is another OPD, omit personal details. And the question is this. Dear Ani, during a trance channeling, if the medium changes their voice from their own natural voice, to the supposed other world entity's voice. Is that a sign of fraud? Hmm. Not really. I mean, that alone is not a sign of fraud. I've attended many channelings, and some of them are duds. But during a proper trance channeling, I mean, the medium allows the other world entity to use their body, and so changes in pitch and rhythm regional accent, all these are normal during an actual trance channeling. In fact, um, some of these trance channels, they have wear and tear on their vocal cords. And a few I've known, you know, the real ones, they have nodes on the cords, which is a sign of strain beyond their normal vocal range. So, no, um, I would just... Uh, Again, I'm always very weary of these people. You know, we, I am weary. I'm also wary of these people. There's a lot of charlatans out there. Um, just be discerning, really. You want people to give you really good information. And if it doesn't resonate and if they're struggling and there's only a strand of truth and they have to ask you five or six questions and they're asking you more questions than you're asking them, that's a sign of fraud. Um, okay. Let's take one more before we move on to our other segments. And this is from Darnell, Darnell, who asks, oh, okay. Do you have to be in a state of meditation to be a medium and give messages from the other side? Do you have to be in a state of meditation to be a medium and give messages from the other side? Okay, Darnell, I think you are asking me. Does a medium have to be actually meditating to receive and share messages from the other side? No, that's not what meditation is. But one cannot develop an intuitive skill set without the daily practice of meditation. But channeling in a trance is not meditation. Meditation leads to alignment, which allows cosmic connection. You could say an intuitive skill set is a side effect of regular practices such as meditation. Um, God, this reminds me of a particularly brilliant channel I had the pleasure of meeting many moons ago. Roger Kent Webster, I think his name was, a British chap living in the USA, Los Angeles at the time I met him. Mm. Um, I'm going to sort of bleed this into the to, to, to the other question because he channeled several beings, this Roger chap, 
Um, and his voice, his accent, his rhythm, his aura, they changed with each different being. You know, one was a Chinese master called Tai Lin, a learned, elegant orator. One was a working class male from Yorkshire, um, UK, called Jacko, with a thick northern accent and a raunchy sense of humor. Um, I would have to look at my notes to remember the others, maybe because, you know, it was 25 years ago or so. Um, no, Jacko gave us all a good laugh and Tylin gave me some good advice, told me of the role I'd be playing in the awakening of mankind. And at that time, I secretly scoffed at his prediction. But as it turns out, he was spot on. So you need to sort out the difference between a meditation and a trance. Mediums generally just do channeling. So they have the skill. They're relaxed enough and trusting enough um, because they have a stable energy anatomy to just, you know, talk to you as them and then just go, okay, now so-and-so is going to enter my body. And that didn't sound good. So-and-so is going to, um, you know, um, enter my aura. Um, and then, you know, they, the person who is the medium is going to go off, uh, do an astral projection somewhere else and then come back when the entity has left. Um, but it's not meditation. Yeah. Okay. One more quickie question. Just one more quickie question, because many peeps have written in with the same concern, which is, is the cabal still producing clones? And I asked Matthew and his ET friends about this. And the answer is not really not anymore. They are now using altered doubles. So look closely at the peeps pretending to be Joe, the deep state, Ho Biden and uh, Hillary. I kill to prevent red pills, Clinton and Pelosi, oh, so grossy, now looking younger. And the Queen of England even has a different smile, um, something my partner picked up on. Uh, you know, subtle change. But uh, if, you, if you understand energy anatomy, you can see that her double is not a bloodline reptilian. I know some of you out there are thinking, what is she talking about? These comments are bizarre and you want to dismiss them. But I assure you, the truth is far stranger than fiction. What is playing out before your eyes is not as it seems. So many people are in for a very rude awakening. Keep an open mind, my darlings. Some of you have no idea what is about to hit the mainstream propaganda machine. Once the white hats regain control of that feed them fear network, your little minds will be blown apart. And the only way to prevent that is expansion, which of course, means open your minds. Okay, well, that's it for Quack today. And a big thank you to all of our contributors. And uh, I think what we'll do right now is do a little tarot a go-go. And I know many people are going to be very angry with me because I've misplaced my kazoo. So I'll just go do-do-do-do-do-do. It's time for Tarot A Go Go. A little what the heck with your favorite tarot deck. Mine is still the Robin Wood deck, and today's card is the Eight of Swords. So let's take a look at this bad boy and see what it wants to share with us. So let me grab my book. Where is my book of cards? Where is my book of cards? Oh, here it is. Here it is. All right. Eight. And I have marked out the Eight of Swords. Aren't I wonderful? All right. Let me take a look at this card. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. OK. There's this girl lady and uh, she's barefoot and she's uh, she looks like she's tied up. 
and blindfolded. In, in fact, she is tied up and blindfolded, but it's not really, you know, she's not really tied up. She could get out of that very quickly. Um, and she's surrounded by swords, eight swords. And behind her is the ocean in this deck of cards. You look at it and you go, oh, my God, something terrible is going to happen to me. It looks horrible. It looks kinky. It looks weird. But really, it's just a card about restriction. She's feeling trapped. She's not empowered. You know, the, the bondage is not necessarily physical. We, we hope it's not, because that would be weird. It's more about she can't assert herself. She feels isolated. She's inhibited somehow. It's a sort of an intellectual or an emotional imprisonment. Um, mm. She's lacking confidence to proceed. She needs the time to make a decision. She's trapped in fear. She's got problems communicating. Some hard times. Most of the time, of course, it's self-induced. We, we're very good at that on this planet. Uh, there's a lack of faith. Um, what else am I feeling? Gosh, I just, poor girl, you know? <laughs> um, she's stuck. She's blocked. She's limited. She's boxed in. What advice shall we give her? Sometimes this card comes up when you're caught in a loop, too. You know, you're going around and round in the same circle. Now, depending on the other cards around it, of course, it could actually mean somebody being in prison, etc. But if you're picking it up just as one guide card, it's uh, this is your state of mind. You're in a rut and you need to get out of it because it's not good. Let's turn it upside down into what they call the challenge position and let's see what happens. I feel better about it. I feel she's being released. I do. I feel the block, the blockage is dissolving. There's a lot of relief here. She's beginning to be able to move again. Yeah. She's breaking free. She wants to break free. Yep, that's what's happening. She's ready to confront her fears. She's ready to confront her anxieties. Mm. Sometimes this card comes up too when you're in the reverse position, especially when you are ready to leave a toxic relationship. Interesting card, that. Eight of Swords. There we are. All right. Now, in case I haven't annoyed or pissed off enough people today... Um, for all the fragile and easily offended, oh, my God, how could you possibly have an opinion contrary to the television? I am going to present The Cryptic Mystic, a segment in which we have our way with someone dead who liked to pray. And today's I Can't Be Frightened Because I Am So Enlightened Holy Roller is a chap I have the utmost reverence for, a chap I know as Emmanuel, but billions know him as Jesus. I think it's safe to say that Christianity is based not on his birth, but on his resurrection. And how would you feel if you discovered that the stories about him, the official Vatican narrative, were untrue? 
How would you feel if information was manipulated and managed to push a specific agenda, one of control, demanding obedience and going as far as to ridicule anyone who denied the official narrative? You know, what is happening today with the planned scamdemic? It's way past time to wake up, people. Way past time to turn off the television and find your own cosmic connection. You are never going to build a better world if you don't stop buying into theirs. Bake your own bread. Stop showing up to the circus. Hanem non comedis circum relinquere. Let us get off the treadmill. I have a great deal to say about Emmanuel because I love him. But today I will use the information from one of Matthew um, Ward's books, Illumination for a New Era, as channeled by his lovely mummy, Suzanne Ward, um, who's still alive, by the way, going strong and sassy at 88 years. So I'm going to try to do this straight from the book. I'm going to change into my reading glasses, have a sip of my drinky poo, and I will try to read it all the way through in a lovely voice. And I will try not to edit in any way. I will also say this one other thing. There's a lot of um, talk about what color Jesus was. I thought that wasn't supposed to matter. And so many people have said there's no white Jesus. He's a black Jesus. Jesus was a Jew. He was from the Holy Land. He was white. I am sorry to break any bubbles out there. He was white. He wasn't brown. He wasn't black. He wasn't chocolate. He wasn't caramel. He was white. But he had a jolly good suntan because the Holy Land has much better weather than we have here in Oregon. And what it means that Jesus was white is this. Jesus was white. It means absolutely nothing beyond that. All right. Let's talk about Emmanuel, Jesus, and this is a conversation between Suzanne Ward and God. And Suzanne says, good morning, God. You've said you would tell me about Jesus' life. Can you do that now? And God says, good morning, Susie, and of course I can. There was indeed a man named Emmanuel, whom you called Jesus, and therefore I shall hear, who was born to be one of my major messengers to earth. However, the story about him as related in the Bible is not the same as his life. His life was by pre-birth agreement, just as yours was. All souls who incarnate do so for the same purpose, to remember who I am and who each of you is. Therefore, his life has the same significance as all others, but with this great difference. Jesus had the conscious awareness of his mission, and he lived more closely to his agreement than almost all other souls ever born on earth. Therein is the big difference between that son of mine and all my other children, except those few souls whose agreements also included the same Christed realm origin and mission as did Jesus' life to carry my message to earth. Jesus was born by the same means as all other human babies, the union of his mother and father. That is a good method, so why not? 
His divinity is my child did not require a star in the east to proclaim his birth, nor did his life require the supernatural attachments that are heralded in the book so revered by many, the Bible. Most of the fanciful happenings that book attributes to Jesus to include that most unusual means of his conception and even his mother's and that major's birthplace, not to mention his resurrection, are not so. That story was made up to suit the aim of the church leaders to distance Jesus far above all other souls on earth and by intent that distance me from my children as well. The deception and corruption then was not much different from now, greed and a desire to control others, which seems to have no end. Never would I set apart one of my children above another. Nor did Jesus do that, because he knew the oneness of all. As Matthew has told you and others have also, in this context of the distant soul wherein most of the fallacies lie. Several years ago, you heard from one of your high sources that Jesus wasn't meant to die on a cross, and in fact, he did not. That was quite a joke to you. You didn't want to include that in the book and did so with great reluctance because there were those whose instructions you received persistently from a source you identified as the council, but it was I who pushed you on that. Actually, Jesus was never put on a cross at all. By order of the Sanhedrin, he was flogged and banished from the country. In the eyes of those who ordered that, to make him a martyr would, ga- would give greater impact to his message, whereas getting rid of his presence would eliminate his influence on the populace. Or so they thought. But the influence lingered, and so they proceeded to distort his message and make up others that would achieve their own objectives. And in time, those falsehoods became Christianity's recorded story of Jesus. What actually happened is this. With his wife Mary, Jesus left the area and returned to the east, where he felt safety for his family. He lived a much more earthly life than your Bible version portrays. Why should he not have married the woman he loved? Why should he not have enjoyed sexual relations with her and had children to love and nurture? Why should he not have moved where he wished, studied what he wished during his long lifetime? None of these natural human desires diminishes the importance of his message, one iota. His teachings were heeded by some, ignored by many, and despised by those control he shattered with his revelations. Those true revelations were shrouded in mystery, to say this more mildly than the deliberate falsehoods they were. His true message was clear, simple, forthrightly expressed. Furthermore, it was clearly understood. His message was given to him by me, but it did not reach you as I intended. The Bible eliminates many of his teachings and distorts others by efforts of the kingpin of changes, the Vatican itself, as the primary mover and shaker of the deceit that long ago replaced the original records. You are only beginning to see the lies that have been established to serve the the purposes of the forces that wish to rule the universe. Yes, the dark forces, as Matthew calls them, are very real. 
I don't call them that myself, but rather the disserving ones of my flock. However, by any designation, their intentions have been the same, power and control, and their goals have been thwarted in the same way, by love and light. Child, would you question beyond this? And I know Susie personally, she questions everything beyond everything. So she says, God, considering the importance of your message to earth, why have you let the distortions go on this long? God replied, two words, free will. All right, more words, not my free will, but my having to observe creator's law of free will in all of my children. They have to, they have the right to use it. I'm speaking of those who cause the distortions and those who freely believe without reservation what is in the Bible. With so much of what you call evil in your world that the Bible claims to have started in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, it is not logical to question if the true word might have been strategically changed during the millennia that have passed since Jesus' teachings. Of course, it's been changed. It is not logical to question if those who wrote about Jesus but did not know him, got the stories about his teachings exactly right? Is it not logical to question, as the records that became the Bible were interpreted and the vision and the versions translated, if those who worked with the material may have expanded or deleted portions to reflect their own beliefs? Is it not logical to question why the word of God would be the basis for killing each other to uphold the very same word? Susie, I could go on with this, but to what avail? The situation is that millions of my children are believing the lies. And as long as they do, they do not know me or my son, Jesus. And Susie asks, what about the miracles Jesus performed? Are they just more stories to create more distancing? And God responds, calling the miracles is what created the distancing. And it was not Jesus who did that. He knew exactly how he was enabled to do what he did. And furthermore, he told the multitudes that they could learn it too. His awareness of his pre-birth agreement led him in his early years out of public view to areas in the East where there were teachers in the ancient arts of levitation, directing kinetic energy, visions beyond your vision, hearing beyond your hearing, healing without tools or medicine. Those master teachers had not perverted the truth of this innate capacity that is in all of my children. It is their birthright. Through them, Jesus learned how to use his mind far more greatly than others. And with his fascination for developing the capabilities he saw in them, he practiced and he practiced and he practiced. He had no more innate capacity to learn than other souls. But most had put constraints upon their minds and didn't even think how much more they could produce and achieve than what they saw around them. Those who banished Jesus did so because they knew this truth, that every soul has the same innate capacity as he did. They couldn't deny what so many had seen, so they made the feats unique to Jesus and kept the truth suppressed to retain their power over the people. Thus, the reports of the miracles are sketchy in today's Bible, again by design. Enough to create the distance of the mystery, not enough to show that constantly there were incidents in which Jesus amazed people. 
However, those incidents were recorded by people who profited directly, people who witnessed them, people who were told firsthand about them. But those records, they're not in your Bible. With very few exceptions, people today are continuing in that same limiting belief that Jesus came to dispel. And then, you know, it goes on to say that, yes, Jesus did start a French royal line. However, the French royalty of recent centuries is not the same lineage as the beginning royalty stemming from Jesus' descendants. What changed is by intent of the darkness, to state it most simply, and surely by now no surprise to you, um, Susie asks, you know, will people ever know the truth about Jesus? And God says, I cannot say when, but of course it will come forth because that's what ascension is about. That's what enlightenment is about. Um, and there's a lot more to it, but, you know, we are going to run out of time. Uh, one of the other things that God mentioned in this is, you know, this truth has been out there for quite a long time. But will people open their hearts to the truth? If people are invested in thinking a certain way about anything and then 20, 30 years down the line, they realize they've been bullshitted. That's painful. That's rough. So anyway, Illuminations for a New Era, published in 2003, available from Matthew Books. Um, a very good addition to your library. Oh, my God, my darlings, we're running out of time. Ah, I think that's it for today. Um, Not quite. I haven't finished my drink. Hold on. Hang on. Don't go away. <clears throat> okay. That was an awfully big gulp. I apologize if I burp through this next sentence. Um, I have finished my drink. That always means the end of the show, which is sad. But it also means the end of my drink, and that too is sad. But hey, with adulthood comes common sense and moderation. And in my case, it was a long time coming, but we got there. Today's real-life cocktail is called a sexy devil, and I prepared, prepared this, I'm a little tiddly now, in honor of Justin Trudeau's imminent demise. Trudeau, you fooled a great many people with your pretty boy looks and your tight little ass and your crocodile tears, but you sold your soul to Lucifer, you vile little morceau de merde. There will be no cocktails where you are going, matey. Here's how you prepare the sexy devil. Four parts vodka. I'm using Canadian iceberg vodka. Very nice. Two parts cranberry vodka. I'm using Smirnoff today. One part dry vermouth. I'm using cheapo gallo vermouth today. You get a fresh strawberry. You get a lemon peel. Combine all the liquid ingredients in a cocktail shaker with cracked ice and shaky, shaky, shaky. Strain into a chilled martini glass and get creative with your lemon peel and fresh strawberry garnish. And you drink it and it's quite pleasant. And perfect for celebrating the arrest, trial and execution of evil tyrants. Now, remember, folks, cocktails are great if they are an occasional treat. If you use top quality ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. I'm Arnie, Mad Shaman Avidician. This was Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. Until we meet again, remain vigilant, do not compromise your core moral principles, resist tyranny at every turn, and above all, my darlings, let the spirit inhabit the human.
have been listening to the metaphysical martini with Ani Alpatisian, the mad shaman, a production of cosmicreality.com. Thank you.